the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. I'm glad that you joined the program again tonight, and thanks for sharing with your friends. I also encourage you to go to our website, whileyouaresingle.org, where you can listen to the While You're Single podcast. You have access to previous videos, and you can also access the podcast on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the While You Are Single podcast. Thanks again for joining the program. Let's open up in prayer. Father God, I thank you for another privilege to share your word tonight. I thank you for the individual who's watching right now. Father, I ask that you open our hearts to heed your word, open our ears to hear your word, open our eyes to perceive your word, open our minds to understand the scriptures and show us great and mighty things that we do not know and help us apply these things into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I have been addressing the question of, is it okay for a lady to make the first move on a guy? In last episode, I began to address that and I'm dealing with the question as in a lady asking a guy out on a date, a lady expressing to a guy point blank that uh, she wants to go out with him and she's interested in him. And uh, that's really what I'm addressing, not other scenarios where that's not what the first move is. You know, she's just introducing herself or just being around him or things of that nature. I'm not addressing that. I'm just addressing a lady point blank telling a guy she's interested in him and asking him out. And uh, that's what I'm addressing. And I mentioned that I will not recommend that approach for forming reasons. The first of which is I don't want her to get hurt because more often than not, if she has to ask a guy out, especially if it's a guy that she's known for a while, chances are he wasn't interested in her because if a guy is interested in you, he will let you know about it. So if he hasn't done that, chances are he is not, and you will be rebuffed one way or the other. And I do not want you to go through that experience. Nevertheless, that was my first concern. I don't want you to be hurt. The second concern is if you approach a guy, uh, especially a guy you really don't know that well, and uh, let him know in advance that you're interested in him and ask him out, um, I'm concerned that number two, he's going to take advantage of you because some guys, you know, their mindset is, you know, they have in their mind what the ideal woman is for them. So perhaps, you know, you approach a guy that is not interested in you, but you don't know that you think he is, but he's not because he hasn't really said anything to you, but you think he is because he's always hanging out with you and you approach him and you let him know that you want to go out with him and stuff like that. Well, some guys, their mindset is while they're not really interested in you, they're interested in somebody else and maybe that person is not available or maybe they haven't found the kind of woman they're interested in. When they see you, they might be like, well, she's available so I can go out with her. I can just have her in my life right now. I can just take advantage of her since she's available, even though I'm not really interested. I can just manage with her for now until the kind of lady I'm interested in shows up or the lady I'm checking out is available until I'm able to get with that lady. I can have this lady since she made herself available. I can take advantage of her and use her until the right lady shows up. And when the right lady shows up, guess what happens to you? You get dropped like a hot potato, you get pushed to the side. And I don't want that to happen to you. So that's my second concern that a guy will take advantage of you until the kind of lady he wants 
shows up and he switches on you real quick, okay? The third thing I'm concerned about is sometimes when you make the move on the guy, when you make the first move, it might set the tone for the relationship. And by that, I mean you end up doing everything in the relationship and you might begin to resent that the guy is not stepping up and taking responsibility in the relationship, taking responsibility for things in the relationship that you feel like he needs to step up and initiate. Um, if you're fine with taking charge or initiating everything in the relationship, well, fantastic. He might not like that. Even though he may have allowed you to make the first move in the relationship, perhaps he may not have expected that you're going to be taking charge in everything and he might feel emasculated and begin to resent you when he feels like you're always doing or initiating things in the relationship. I don't understand that some couples don't mind this and that's fantastic. But if you happen not to be that kind of couple, then you may have an issue where the guy is now resenting you because it feels like you're always taking charge or where you may be resenting him because he's not stepping up to do what he needs to be doing in the relationship. So that's a third concern. The fourth concern is something that my wife had mentioned to me a while ago, and I never really thought about this, but in not so many words, my wife told me that, you know, because I made the move on her, because I pursued her, she never had to wonder if I was interested in her. She never had to wonder, okay, is Tokes going out with me because I make the move on him, or does he really want me? She never really had to think about that because I made the move on her. I initiated our relationship. So my fourth concern is for other ladies, if you make the move on the guy and things don't go well in the relationship or there are moments in the relationship where you are questioning the validity of the relationship, I want you to avoid being in a situation where you begin to wonder, does this guy really love me? Uh, what if I never approached him? What if I never initiated this relationship will he have chosen me or is he in this relationship because he felt like i made him get into this relationship or i forced him into this relationship does he really love me or is he just here because i made the move on him i don't know what that's like i can imagine it's a good place to be i don't want you to be in that scenario i don't want you to feel that way like questioning whether he really wants you if, uh, or questioning if he really loves you. Those questionings can really affect a relationship and I don't want you to be in that position. So those are mainly the four concerns. Number one, I don't want you to, I mean, in every scenario, you, you're going to get hurt, which is the main thing I don't want you to go through. Um, number one, get hurt. Number two, he taking advantage of you until the kind of lady he wants shows up. Number three, resentment building in the relationship, either from you feeling like he's not stepping up or from him feeling like you're always taking charge. And number four, the feeling of wondering if he really loves you and if he will have chosen you had you not uh, made the move. Having said all of that, uh, more often than not, there's a scripture that is often uh, kind of like the go-to scripture to justify why a lady can make the first move on the guy. And I already addressed that in the in the first episode, what I am addressing. I'm not talking about situations where um, you're just introducing yourself to a guy or just being around a guy. That's not what I'm referring to. Again, I'm dealing with you just ask a guy point blank to be in a relationship with you. 
um, something of that nature. So there's a go-to scripture or a go-to story, and the story of Ruth in scripture, people often use her story because basically she asked Boaz to marry her. And if you're not familiar with this couple, there's a beautiful story in scripture often used there. Um, story to address relationships, but as a story of Boaz and Ruth, and there's a book in the Bible called the Book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. I encourage you to read the entire four chapters to learn about their story. But usually, the story is about Ruth going to Boaz and asking him to marry her. That's usually the go-to scripture that people who are like, "Yes, it's okay for a lady to make a move on a guy." That's the go-to scripture they often use. And you know, sometimes you know, as you probably already know, people can always go to the Bible and pull whatever they want. To justify their actions. However, I want us to look at certain things in that story to give some clarity. Context is very important. When you understand the context of a story, it gives you clarity about what's going on. In chapter three, that's where you hear about Ruth pretty much asking Boaz to marry her. But I like to encourage people slow down a little bit. Don't 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 be too quick to jump over scripture. Uh, we need to really act, read the story from the beginning to to get some context about what's happening. Story starts in chapter one, and basically Ruth was married to a guy prior. The guy died, and um, to cut a long story short, Ruth and her mother-in-law moved from a place called Moab to Israel. At the end of chapter one, we find out that Ruth and her mother-in-law moved to Israel at the beginning of the barley harvest, which is around uh, the middle of March and April. Okay, have that in mind because I'm going to come back to that. In chapter two, that's where she meets Boaz. Everyone who's always talking about, yeah, it's okay for a lady to make a move on a guy, say that based on chapter three, but let's slow down and start with chapter two. In chapter two, I believe it's in verse six, um, Boaz meets Ruth. And basically, Ruth goes somewhere to work, and it turns out where she was working was belonged to Boaz. The field she was working belonged to Boaz. Boaz showed up that day and he saw Ruth. So Boaz saw Ruth first, at least from the scripture. The emphasis is on what Boaz saw. He saw her and he went to one of the guys working for him. Who is that lady? So Boaz finds Ruth. Boaz notices Ruth first. And Boaz, after getting a little bit of the skinny on who Ruth is and where she's from, Boaz approaches Ruth first. So we can see that Boaz, the guy, is making the first move. Of course, if you read the story, the move he's making is not because he's trying to get into a relationship with her. He was just concerned and caring about her, and he wanted to make sure everything was going well with her. So he approached her first. He ended up having lunch or dinner or whatever you want to describe it with her. He sat down with her. They ate some food and stuff like that. So he's already making the gestures toward her. At the end of chapter two, the Bible says Ruth continues to work and work with the people that work with Boaz. And that continued all the way to the end of barley harvest and the end of wheat harvest, which according to my understanding is around May, June. So for about three, four months, she's around Boaz. She's familiar with Boaz. They were around each other. So there was some kind of rapport. In the beginning of, of Ruth chapter three, Ruth's mother-in-law discovers that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer, family redeemer. Some translations phrase it differently. Let me explain. In the Jewish tradition, if a man dies without living children, the brother closest to that man is responsible to marry the widow and raise 
an offspring for the estate of the deceased man. And the person that had that kind of obligation is referred to as a kingsman redeemer or a family redeemer. And that individual is obligated to buy back debt or buy back property that belonged to the family or help a family member who's in hardship, including marrying the widow. So Boaz was such a man. He was a close relative to Ruth's husband who had died. I mentioned earlier that she had a husband who had died. Um, but to cut a long story short, there was another guy who was ahead of Boaz to fulfill that obligation. But Boaz, you know, ended up being the person who fulfilled the obligation. But my point is, Ruth's mom discovered that Boaz was a family redeemer. And she told Ruth to go to where Boaz was at the time. It's called the threshing floor. Uh, she encouraged Ruth to dress up and look nice and go to where he was because, you know, she was trying to hook her up with Boaz, and Ruth decided to do what she was instructed to do. You see, Ruth didn't just wake up and said, I'm going to go hook up with Boaz. She was following <laughs> instructions, okay? So she goes to where Boaz was, and that's in Ruth chapter 3, verse starting from verse 7, 8, 9. That kind of gives you a, a gist of uh, Boaz and Ruth's interaction regarding to marriage. So Boaz is where he was. It was near the threshing floor. The Bible says when he was in a good mood, he had finished eating and drinking. He went to sleep. Right after that, the Bible says Ruth goes beside him quietly. She uncovers his feet and she lay beside him. I want you to note, Ruth did not wake him up. She simply stayed beside him quietly. Ruth's mother-in-law instructed Ruth to go to where Boaz was. Allow me to read that verse for you. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain and she came softly, uncovered his feet and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Ruth lies down beside Boaz. She did not wake him up. He woke up himself. How do you know? Because it says at midnight, he was startled. Didn't say at midnight, she woke him up. He woke up himself at midnight is a timing issue. Maybe you're watching, you feel like this guy is the guy for you, whatever. He hasn't said anything to you. He's just sleeping. If he's the guy for you, he's only sleeping. Let him sleep and wait for him to wake up. You just need to make sure that when he wakes up, he sees you beside him. Nevertheless, Boaz wakes up at midnight is a timing thing. For some of you, it's just a timing thing. Don't try to force issues. God is a God of timing. You feel like he's the guy. If he's the guy, it's just a timing issue. At the right time, he's going to wake up. Okay. At midnight, he wakes up. He was startled and he wakes up. And the Bible says he turned. He turned. The New King James Version says he turned himself. But here's the thing. Ruth had nothing with him waking up, and Ruth had nothing 
to do with him turning. He woke up himself and he turned himself, which means he was facing a different direction and he turned to look at her again. You see a guy, you feel like he's the one. If he's really the one, then he's just sleeping. Just wait for him to wake up and wait for him to turn and face you. Don't wake him up and don't make him turn to face you. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, Boaz wakes up, Boaz turns, and he asks her a question. And in verse 9, he says, so she answered. Ah, all the while, Boaz is the one in control, so to speak. He found her first. He talked to her first. They have a rapport. They've known each other for about three or four months. Now she's coming to him. She's beside him. She doesn't wake him up. He wakes up himself. He turns to her and he asks her a question. Why are you here? What's the deal? Then she answered in so many words, I want you to marry me because you're responsible for um, fulfilling the obligation of a kinsman the redeemer. Uh, a kinsman redeemer basically just marry me okay but he's not she's not saying this to somebody she doesn't really know she's not saying this to somebody who hasn't approached her before she's not saying this to somebody she doesn't have a rapport with and she's also saying this to somebody who's responsible to do what he's supposed to do based on their culture so there's a context for her approach and basically Boaz has already set everything up she had the wherewithal to approach him about this. She was there in the first place because she was instructed to do so. If that's not your context, I don't think it's a very good idea so that you don't get hurt, so that a guy won't take advantage of you, so that you don't question if a guy really loves you, and so that you don't ever feel like the guy is not doing his part or the guy feels like you're making him less of a man. That is all my concern. At the end of the day, you have to allow the Spirit of God to lead you and direct you accordingly. God desires the best for you. So have these things in mind. All the same, thank you for watching while you're a single TV. And thanks for sharing with your friends as well. And uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Um, I thank you for all you've um, shared with us through this um, discussion. Um, I pray for the ladies out there who want to get married, Lord, as, as the guys as well. I pray for the ladies. Just continue to encourage them. And let them know that you have someone in mind for them, Father God. Continue to help them to be patient and trust you. Um, help them position themselves around whoever you do have for them, Father God. And uh, for the guys, Lord, I thank you for encouraging them and giving them the strength and the confidence to step up and say what they need to say. Put your words in their mouth, Lord, and teach them what they need to say to um, touch the hearts of the women you have for them and make things happen for them in Jesus' name, Lord. Thanks for answering these prayers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One more thing I want to mention, ladies, it's okay to put yourself in the position around the guy you're interested in. That's fine, you know. In fact, some ladies think that's that's what they mean when they say first move. Yeah, that's fine, chill. Be around him, chit-chat, whatever, but let him <laughs> seal the deal, so to speak. Thanks for watching. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you are informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed.